Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Welcome back to the podcast. Misty and I are together today to talk about a pretty complicated subject, which is the topic of shame. And to be really honest, both Misty and I are having kind of a complicated morning overall, and we almost didn't record, but we decided to go ahead because even on those days when we're not really feeling it, we end up realizing how much we needed to talk about some of these really human experiences and feelings. And we say this often that recording this podcast to us is like therapy. So here we are as we are today. I'm so glad to be here. And she's right. We just, I asked her right before we started, I said, do you want to do this? And if we both say no, then it's a no-go. But if one of us is standing strong, then the other one will record, right? And she said, no, I can do this. And I was like, okay. But inside of me, I think if I had to guess, I know where the shame is. And it's not something I really like to talk about. (laughs) Um, And so it was really easy for me to push it down as a human. So I can only imagine the feelings that will come forward as you listening Think about your own situations where you also have carried shame or do currently carry shame. It's just a similar to the failure topic topic. It's uncomfortable, but really good to recognize and a really big part of your mindfulness journey, because as we always say, the awareness is the first big step. And so starting to recognize that, dang, I feel shame over this and I think if I were telling my friend, I would say, don't carry shame over that, you know? So that's what I hope today helps some people realize, um, or just at least start making those steps forward to talking about it and realizing what it is. I'll share that Brene Brown definition of shame. So Brene Brown, if you don't know who she is, she's a researcher at the university, excuse me, at the University of Houston. Um, And she is a shame researcher. She has devoted so much of her life to interviewing people and collecting data and research on shame. So she says that shame is an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So Misty was asking me earlier how I experience shame. And I shared with her that surprisingly, I don't know if shame is a feeling that I grapple with often. And if anybody's done the Enneagram test, um, it's, it's another personality test, although it's rooted in philosophy, thousands of years old, it's really quite amazing. Um, but I'm an Enneagram nine, which is the, the peacekeeper, the peacemaker. And nines don't typically experience a lot of shame. Nines typically experience a lot of anger as their shadow side, which for me feels true. Like when I look at the scale of shame and anger, 
anger is definitely heavier, you know, but when I read this definition of, um, believing that you're flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging, I think for sure, when I was in my teens, twenties, it kind of faded in my thirties, I went through a period of feeling like I was unworthy of belonging. Like I've always felt on the periphery. I've always connected more with people on the fringe, to be honest. And somehow I've never felt like I really belong in, in mainstream, like mass population. And I don't know if that's just my own shame that I carry for whatever reason. Um, but I think that's how, how I've experienced it is in that sense of belonging or not belonging. Oh, what you just described is probably how I felt all these years and not really hello therapy, <laughs> just really discovered it. So I grew up with my grandparents from, I lived with my grandparents from seventh grade on until I graduated high school. So the really big years like that you remember just because your memory, um, I felt very shameful that I didn't live with my parents and it wasn't my decision and it wasn't anything for me to be shameful of. And I know that now as a grown woman, but boy, did I carry that shame for a long time, which is ridiculous. Um, and to think about like how I tried to also fit in and feel like I wanted to fit in. And I felt very much on the outside like you for that reason. When I think about that, that shame forced me to do things that I wouldn't otherwise do, like the peer pressure stuff, right? And so I think about my own kids and keeping like a really close connection with them as they get to move into those formative years. Because if they feel like they're on the outside, what what are they going to do to try to get into the inside? And I think that's where so many people kind of squirrel off and go in different directions. I know it was for me and I was spinning my wheels and it kind of took a big crash, a life event for me to come back down and realize like, wow, you know, um, so it's crazy to think about all that stuff now as a parent and where that can begin and how it can begin. And, you know, no, this isn't against my mom and my dad. They're, they're good people. And I'm sure that it would make them really sad to hear this, but that they didn't do that per se. That's just how I felt. So, yeah. I think you're right on that a lot of how we hold shame translates straight back to childhood, you know, of course, like all the way back to infancy, really like how attached we were or weren't to our mother, right. And our father. Um, it's interesting. You're so right that wanting to belong absolutely dictates our actions when we're teenagers. So much of what I did when I think back was to feel a sense of belonging and connection from the stuff that was really risky all the way to the stuff that was just really sweet and loving and, and true, you know? And yeah, that's so real. Like, how do we, how do we instill that sense of belonging and connection in our kids? Like, are we, I don't know. Are we doing it that's, right? I, have no right? Idea. I know that's how I feel. And when I start to reflect on those questions and like, 
Like I said, no one made me feel that way. It was just me. And the crazy thing is, is that I never told anybody that was going on on in my head for like 20 years, you know, and it's crazy to think about how many people out there are carrying shame for whatever reason. And a lot of it feeling on the outside, trying to get in, but no one even knows. No one knows my therapist. I don't think I even ever told that to, because I didn't at the time when I was like going through therapy, didn't realize how much that did impact me on the flip side. So maybe it's an age thing. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that changes as we get older, but I think it's so important to remember that it's just another aspect of being human. You know, we talk often about the more challenging human emotions and states of mind and, and all of it actually belongs. Our shame even belongs, you know, cause when we try to push it away and sweep it under the rug, I think our actions and our deeds and our words follow based off what we are or we aren't addressing. And if we can just hold it with real tenderness of like, okay, here's my shame. This is why I'm feeling this way. I'm just going to love myself through this. It's really the only way to not let it start to fester underneath the surface. I agree. I agree. You have to. So my daughter, my oldest daughter did something to someone on the bus. Like she made a comment. It really hurt that person's feelings. She was very upset about it. She didn't understand why she said, sorry, and it wasn't all okay. So we talked through that and I could tell she was just carrying the shame that she'd really hurt somebody's feelings. And I am on a mission in my house to normalize being a human. And I say it all the time. I, anytime one of us messes up or something happens, I'm like, hello, you're human. You know, this is what we do. And my kids, thankfully they're young enough that I can kind of joke about it, but they read a lot of little books about like aliens and outer space. So they really connect with the fact that there's different and then there's human and humans are flawed and we make mistakes. And so when that happened, I told her that exact thing. I said, I'm glad that you feel um, that feeling of hurting someone's feelings because you don't want to do that someone. Right. And I said, but you also don't want to beat yourself up about it. You're very remorseful. You're sorry. You said you were sorry. Now you just need to be patient with that person and it's not going to happen tomorrow. And so I'm not joking. The last two weeks, this has been going on and she gets off the bus and she kind of looks just down yesterday. She came in, she got in the car. She goes, mom, we're friends again. And it was just really great to see because poor little thing had been carrying around a tiny bit of shame from what she did to someone else. And, you know, and she's just a little person, but she was, um, she told me one day, I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, he's not ready, but I'm being patient. Mm -hmm. And it was just so sweet because that's right. We're human and he's human and he has feelings and he's got to work through his feelings. Right. So start normalizing that we are human. And even a, everybody carries around tiny bits of shame. And if we don't talk about them, especially to our kids, then they fester into that dang shame that we carry around for 20 years. Like I did. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so much of the antidote to shame is, is connection. You know, like when that little relationship was mended between your daughter and that boy, I mean, that made the shame begin to dissipate for her. I remember I was at a yoga training in New York city with one of my friends about five years ago. And I didn't know that I was doing this at the time, but later my friend told me she was, she was like, that was really healing for that woman with the shame she was feeling. So that we were in a yoga class that it wasn't hot yoga, but it was in a room in a basement in New York city where there were no windows and not much ventilation, obviously pre COVID there was like 30 or 40 people packed in the room and it was just hot. It was stuffy and hot. And this woman who was older than I, um, she was probably in her sixties, late sixties had to leave. And she came out and she was so hot and she was feeling pretty badly about herself that she couldn't hang in this yoga mm-hmm. room, you know? And I was actually sitting out there already because I had gone to the bathroom and just sat to have a sip of water. And my friend was out there with me. I don't know what we were doing out there, but we all left the class for some reason. It was a long, like three hour workshop. And the woman was lamenting about how she couldn't hang. And I sat there with her and I was like, I can't hang. I said, I've been doing this a long time and I had to get out of that room, you know, and just, I really helped her normalize how she was feeling. And I didn't realize in the moment, you know, but it, it was helping her like that connection and that camaraderie was helping her with her shame of not being able to hang with the 30 and 40 year olds in the hot room. And so just seeing somebody in their pain and getting on that level with them and saying, Hey, I'm there too. I feel you. That's totally normal dissipates that, that feeling of just feeling bad about yourself, you know? Yeah. I think that's, um, I've really gone through my social media and cleaned house as far as like who I follow and the vibe that they bring. And, um, a lot of people I follow are really working through all of their stuff and they don't, they've been carrying shame and they really normalize that, you know, we say all the time, like, toddlers have big feelings and you have to love them through their big feelings. Well, guess what? Grown people got big feelings too, and we're working through them. So I just, I really want to normalize like it being okay to say like, this is how I felt when this happened. And it's usually something that happened a long time ago. And here's how I'm feeling today. And I just want to let this go, you know, Mm -hmm. such a good feeling to let it go. It's such a good feeling. I, Brene Brown says that the opposite of shame is empathy. Ah, right. So I think it's what we're calling connection and what we're calling um, just being with somebody in their pain, seeing somebody in their pain and saying, I've been there too. Like, can you imagine like the worst shame that you're feeling and somebody comes up to you, like you're just feeling so badly and gross about something. And someone comes up to you and says, Hey, I've been there. I am there. Right. I see you in this and you're not alone in how you're feeling. Like you it's said, Misty, best. like, welcome to being human. You it's know? the best. I have um, been in target before, and this was like a month ago. And there was a lady that had a 
you know, pretty newborn, like a toddler and then like a five-year-old. And I mean, they were all melting. She looked like she was going to cry and the baby was screaming and she was trying to nurse, but the toddler was freaking out. So I just walked right over and I kind of just started talking to the toddler and I looked up at her just to let her know. I'm not like a creeper. (laughs) Get settled. She got settled. Um, I helped the younger one was griping about the video game thing that she was playing. I helped her get set on her video game. And the lady just looked up and she looked so teary eyed. And I was like, been there so deep in the weeds. It's okay. Just get home. Yeah, it's fine. And she just looks so relieved to have a lifeline. And I know we've all I probably as moms been there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to reciprocate what comes along. You know, I mean, you've been the mom that's like, has the baby and the overhead bin. And you're like, how am I going to get the luggage up there? And I've got the baby and then the toddler. And you're like, oh my God. And no one wants to sit next to me. And it's like, that in itself is shameful. And why? I have no idea because mm-hmm. it's a normal part of life and traveling with your kids. Yet as the mom walking down the aisle, you feel this shame. Like I've got these kids on a plane and I'm going to ask for help and no one wants to help me. It's just very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, I teach, as you know, um, yoga a couple times a week online live stream and you know, 90% of the time the technology is amazing and perfect. And 10% of the time it's not and stuff happens. And I have a certain group of women, they don't even know they all do it, but there's like five of them who are always on with me live stream. And if something happens, they text me and they're like, they just shower me with compliments with how I handle it. And I've gotten those same texts from you before, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. and I know what's happening inside you. You're right. having like a mini panic attack. It's really hard. And yet there and they showed up. Yeah. And I have to show up and be professional. Like yeah. part of being a teacher is that it does not matter what's going on. You show up and do your job, you know, whether you're a teacher of yoga or a teacher of high school English kids, you know what I yeah. mean? Or a professor in college, like the show must go on. <laughs> so when I get those notes, it helps me so much just like whether it's hey i can't hear you like i've got your back you know your mic isn't working or hey you handled that so well you handled it so elegantly even though in my view it was like such a train wreck and it just helps that like hey i saw the mistake great job show must go on let it go you know what i mean think about if no one texted you Right. That right. all and happened. Like, and then you walk away all day on Saturday after right. your glorious class. You carry this like, I'm so shameful because I, you know, disappointed everyone. And which right. is ridiculous because you always handle it gracefully. I'm actually always impressed um, with how you handle the technology <laughs> because you. you're right. It is always about 10% of the time. And yeah. that's the same thing with the podcast. Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, well, I I'm curious if you, just as we start to close and thinking about such a hard topic, I know when people listen to this, it gets your brain going. What can people do to start taking those first steps um, to maybe mindfully like let that shame go? You know, the first thing I'm going to recommend is to read the book, Daring Greatly. It's on my top 10 list and it's on so many um, top 10 reading list of like books, everybody must read in their lifetime. It's so good on 
describing what shame is, there's a million stories in it about how it could look. And I think it's the first part of our healing to actually understand what it even means, how it lands in the body, why as humans, we feel it. So I think doing some research, personal research around it that way. And then also I always find practicing something for somebody else helps me practice it for me. And so like exactly what you described of the mom in target who was having a moment, right. Or the woman who was in hot yoga who couldn't hang. And I helped normalize her experience. Like look for those experiences in your life where you can be the empathy for somebody. And then once you start to get really good at that, you know, self-empathy, self-compassion, all of that is putting that practice that we do for others back to ourselves. The definition is the same. We're just doing it for the self. But I think for me, at least it's easier to practice that on other people. It's easier to give kindness sometimes to other people than it is to myself. So read Daring Greatly, practice empathy for others, and then practice self-empathy for yourself. I love those. And I put that book down. I haven't read it before. So I'm really excited. So good. I actually also put down my Enneagram. I've, I've done it before, but I don't know, can't remember what I am. I might so even have your document. I can look on my computer and send it to you if I do. Oh, I yeah. might have it. Oh, that's right. Cause I did I'll it look. with you. I uh-huh. completely forgot. That's where I did it. I'll look. I, I guess I've done it two times, but yours is the most up to date. So that's good. Right. And we did because I already had test, two kids. Remember? Yeah. Because you got, got to remember when you take things like this, you know, like I did one when I was in my twenties, obviously it's not going to be the person I am in my forties. So relative. If you're listening in your twenties, just know it might be different when you get older. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we really appreciate you being here. Um, it's always hard when we cover difficult topics like shame and failure. Um, but you know, we're really, we're on a mission to tell everybody you're human. You're going to feel those things and feel the feelings, um, and keep coming back and listening. We appreciate all of you and we hope you have a great day. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.